Welcome back to the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. On today's episode, I got to sit down with Noah Lee, a physique and nutrition coach, to discuss the topic of sugar. Noah has worked with hundreds of individuals on building strength, losing fat, and improving overall health. I decided to pick his brain about the science behind sugar, why it isn't something to be afraid of, and what kinds of things we should be focusing on when it comes to nutrition instead of the amount of sugar on a food label. Listen in to learn a thing or two about how to manage this molecule we all love to hate. Enjoy my conversation with Noah. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I am joined today by a guest that I'm very excited to chat with, Coach Noah Lee. Thanks so much for coming on, Noah. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it and look forward to uh, some discussions. Awesome. Yeah, so let's start with a little introduction. Tell our listeners who you are and what you're all about. Okay, yeah. So obviously, my name is Noah Lee. Um, What I do is I am an online nutrition and physique coach. Um, it's mainly what I do. I studied and continue to study uh, exercise and nutrition science down at the University of Tampa. And uh, yeah, I'm just big on content creation, education, um, trying to kind of take, you know, science and make it more digestible for, you know, the average person that's just uh, getting into all this. So cool. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, a demographic that um, listens to my podcast. So that's great. So are you in school right now pursuing a degree? Yeah, yeah. So I'm currently doing um, my graduate studies at UT, more so focused on um, the exercise side of things. So it is exercise and nutrition science, but I'm kind of more skewed towards the exercise and kinesiology side of things. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, my undergrad degree is in exercise science. So definitely love to nerd out about that stuff as well. Um, Very cool. So my podcast ultimately is centered around empowering people to improve their health and meet their goals with simple, sustainable habits. And I feel like fitness and nutrition especially have become very overcomplicated when success in these areas really can be simple, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the most confusing and controversial topics is sugar. I've literally seen people, and I'm sure you have to get into fights over sugar and, you know, what its purpose is. Is it good? Is it bad? So as the new year approaches, people looking to lose weight or get healthier might see sugar as a perceived threat. So tell us, is sugar dangerous for reaching our health or weight loss goals? Yeah. So first up, sugar is definitely one of the most like, I don't know if I want to say polarizing things because a lot of people are like anti-sugar and it's even marketed that way. I think this energy drink that I'm drinking right now like says no sugar on the top and bold. So um, yeah, long story short, no, sugar is not like the devil. It's not a demon. It's not going to, you know, kill you and um, mess up your whole life. Obviously there's certainly more that can be unpacked there, but yeah, I think that um, especially when I hear somebody talk about sugar, I'm like, all right, well, if we're going to get into this, we're going to have to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, definitely. Well, looking at, Yeah, looking to break some of that down for sure. Um, Why do you think it has gotten to the point that, and I agree with you, it's like even products, food products or drink products that very obviously have no sugar or shouldn't have sugar to begin with, they market the no added sugar just to make people buy it. Um, 
But yeah, and one thing that I've noticed just with helping people through fitness journeys and such is that one of the things that's prioritized in terms of making nutrition choices is the amount of added sugar in a product or looking for no added sugar. So is this a factor worth prioritizing or why do you think this has become like such a hot thing for people to look at when it comes to dieting? Right, right. So one thing to obviously talk about with sugar is that sugar is something in products that have sugar, a lot of sugar tend to be more calorically dense, meaning that you can overeat, overeat these foods much easier than you can something that's, you know, no added sugar or low sugar or stuff like that. So I think that a lot of people, you know, it's kind of like correlation versus causation. Somebody that drinks a ton of soda throughout the day is, yeah, probably might be overweight versus somebody that doesn't. But um, yeah, I think that people really need to understand, like, you can still consume sugar. Obviously, it's our good friend moderation that I, I always bring up, but it's never, it's not a sexy thing to bring up. So yeah, of course. We don't enjoy it. But um, yeah, no, you certainly can include sugar in a healthy diet. Um, there's actually no real research to suggest that independent from a caloric surplus that there are negative health decrements to consuming sugar in and of itself. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, one of my main points. Yeah. And I think one thing that surprises a lot of people when they start to learn about food composition, because I think that's one of the big problems is that as just a general population, we really don't know what food is made of. So a lot of the things that we might think of as sugary foods may consist of other things as well. And then foods that you might think are healthy may actually be high in sugar. So can you talk about like some of those examples that you see that get a bad rep, um, but sugar might not be the thing to focus on? Yeah. So first up, you're exactly right about people like not having a great idea of um, food composition. I'm sure like if you track foods for a significant amount of time, it's really kind of eye-opening to what is in certain things. So that's why I like to tell people like, yeah, you can read a textbook, you can go to classes, but until you actually like track foods or even monitor foods closely that you ingest, um, you like, that's where you're going to learn the most about nutrition, to be honest. But anyways, um, sorry, I talked myself out of the question. What was it? No, no, you're good. Um, just in terms of like what foods actually have sugar, like I think that there are foods that people just automatically blame sugar for that actually have other stuff in them that might be more problematic. Yeah. And there's a lot of foods that are healthy, quote unquote, that are like made completely of sugar. So like, can you think of any examples of foods that fall into either of those categories? Right. Yeah. So obviously a popular one in terms of like something that's mainly just sugar is um, sugary drinks like sodas, sports drinks, uh, juices, stuff like that. But yeah, also, like you said, something like, I feel like a lot of people start to think about baked goods when they think of sugar, but mm -hmm. in reality, um, about half of those calories are going to come from fats as well, which is also another discussion because people talk about sugar being addictive, but the research shows that the only time that sugar is ever, ever could be potentially considered addictive is when it is with nearly an equal amount of fats and salt as well. So, but yeah, um, sugary drinks, stuff like that. And then like the baked goods, you get into sugar, but it also being a considerable amount of calories from fats, which I think is a big misconception. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, especially with like a lot of people looking to cut carbs as part of a diet. I mean, I know my mom specifically, she listens to this podcast. So if you're listening, mom, thanks for listening. But she's a big proponent of, all right, diet starts tomorrow. I'm cutting my carbs. And in reality, she is eating fruits. She's eating vegetables because those are foods that are good for you. And you, you want to encourage them in a diet. But what a lot of people don't understand is those are made of the same carbohydrate molecule as a lot of the other foods that you're cutting out. Um, so one thing to be aware of, like if you buy strawberries and you look at the nutrition label, you're going to see that sugar makes up most of the calories. So sugar exists in good foods. It exists in bad foods. And I really like your point about that combination of like sugar and fats kind of seems to be that perfect storm combination that is addictive. Um, and one thing that I speak a lot about with different topics is like trying to explain things from a fundamental biological brain chemistry level. Right. And we as human beings are designed to crave foods that give us a lot of calories because it's like, Oh, jackpot, you know, this'll make me survive the longest. So yeah, that piece of cake. I mean, next time that you're looking at one of these foods, that's you're afraid of the sugar guys, check out the fat content and match that up with the sugar calories. And you'll be surprised to see that sugar might not necessarily be the bad guy. Yeah. Um, also, your example with strawberries can kind of also loop around to, you know, where we were talking about caloric density. Like a lot of people perceive, you know, all right, for example, strawberry, fine, soda, bad when, you know, it's sugar in each of them. But, you know, you're going to get a lot more satiated off of eating a lot of strawberries versus drinking one soda. So that's another point. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, I mean, it's all in moderation. Now, another thing that I've seen, particularly on social media, um, is people talk smack about sugar because of its effect with insulin. And I was wondering if you, you know, if you know much about this relationship, if you can just speak on it from a basic level, like is spiking our insulin levels something to be afraid of as, you know, just a normal person? Right, right. So yeah, I'll try and keep it as basic. I mean, you can really dive deep into insulin. Um, So basically what insulin is, if anybody listening doesn't really know, is let's say you eat um, carbohydrates, which are processing the glucose in the body. Um, That's going to spike your blood sugar. And what the body's going to do is pancreas, the pancreas is going to release insulin to bring those blood sugars back down to a, you know, range where you want to see it. Now, one thing that really trips people up about insulin is because there, so when the body releases insulin or we have an insulin spike, there's a lower rate of lipolysis, which is basically just like the mobilizing of um, fatty acids outside of adipose or fat tissue. So some people get into this, it's kind of like the whole fat burning is not the same as fat loss thing. So yes, when you eat sugar, insulin is going to go up and your body is going to be oxidizing less fat. But fat oxidation is not the same as fat loss because when your body is oxidizing less fat, the substrates or the source of energy that your body is going to mainly be burning, for lack of a better term, is that uh, glucose and glycogen that you're eating from the sugar. So it kind of has to break it all down, it kind of has a net effect. So even though insulin is increasing and fat oxidation is going down, like it has a net effect, it balances each other out. So there's no reason to be concerned 
that if you eat sugar, you're not going to lose fat. That's not the case. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, just back to the topic of added sugar and sugary drinks and sugary foods, like, is this something that people should avoid if they're losing weight or is there nothing wrong with, you know, like, like what I see all the time is, you know, people who are on their high horse and they see you like crack open a Gatorade and they're like, Oh my God, like, don't you know, that's all sugar. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, but you know, what purpose does sugar serve for us? Like in certain situations, I mean, it's not a bad thing. Like what right. might be the benefit? Yeah. So yeah, firstly, um, I definitely get like, whenever I hear somebody, especially a family member. So um, whenever I hear them say like they're getting on a diet or they want to lose weight, sugar is usually the first thing to go. And I kind of look at this from a coaching perspective of, okay, like, yeah, I mean, it's not typical to make, because they eat sugar as it is, it's not typically uh, sustainable when you make a major life choice and try and do that in like one day from like all the food sources that you eat now that contain sugar, trying to cut those out and totally overhaul everything that you eat. So I like to tell people, especially around the holidays, you know, you don't have to go zero to 100 real quick. Like you don't have to cut everything out. You can, you know, do it within moderation, do it slowly. Um, So for example, a big thing for me that I like, because in order to maintain my weight, I have to eat a lot of calories because I'm pretty active. Um, I drink at least one Gatorade. So about 140 calories, I think 36 ish grams of sugar. And I eat quite a few. Uh, I'm a big fruit snack guy. I so saw anyway, I saw that on your Instagram. And yeah, 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 I'm so. about that. I mean, I, I ran a half marathon a few weeks ago and my carbohydrate source during the race was Swedish fish. And I'm like, right, and, and that's what you need. Yeah. Otherwise, you're gonna, you know, crash and burn and you need that quick energy source. And especially during, um, you know, intense activity like that, your body definitely wants some glucose. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, at the end of the day, like you talked a little bit about how things get broken down, but sugar is a form of carbohydrate. It's a, it's a, especially glucose. It's something that the body can use pretty readily and right away. So for somebody who's active and who's exercising, sugar actually can be a bit of a performance enhancer. It's probably something that you need. Um, So in terms of like sports drinks, I mean, I'm the same way. If I'm having a hard workout, I definitely try to have a little before, but more so after too. Um, You know, I just immediately feel better and like I have my energy back um, if I get some quick carbs. So yeah, I mean, that's definitely a big thing. And I have a lot of listeners who are, you know, just like everyday worker outer type of people, not shooting for any crazy goals, but um sugar isn't necessarily something to be afraid of for those people, correct? Yeah, no, I try and look at it as fuel. Again, like my fruit snacks, um, like I'll have a couple packs of them before I go work out because I also have a pretty busy lifestyle. Like I don't always have time to sit down and like eat a meal or prepare a meal. So if I'm like headed to the gym, I want something quick and easy that's going to give me energy to be able to sustain my workout. And there's nothing quicker or easier than a pack of fruit snacks, which is mostly sugar, um, to get that energy that I need for my workout. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, when you think of a lot of people understand that carbs are important for exercise and for energy and stuff, but, um, not all carbs are treated equal in the sense of like metabolism. Right. So like people might say, you know, Oh, like vegetables are, are mostly carbs. Like I'm going to eat that. But the way that those things get digested, 
you're probably not going to feel too great during your workout. So something like that sugary drink, fruit snacks for me, Swedish fish when I'm running, like that's a really easy way for your body to break it down and use it. And, you know, if consuming that sugar is going to allow you to better perform in your workout, then that's a win. You know, even if you're not somebody who's struggling to get enough calories, even if you're trying to lose weight, think of it as an investment in your ability to perform and actually like push yourself in your workout. And there's nothing worse. I'm sure you've had moments where like all of a sudden you feel hypoglycemic during a workout and you're like, whoa, shit, you know? So yeah, I mean, sugar has its place for sure. Um, Now, I think that a lot of this comes down to understanding your personal relationship with food and what your triggers are. You know, a lot of us can probably think off the top of our heads of like one or two foods that if they're in front of you, like game over, you're finishing them. For me, it is tortilla chips, like not Uh, sugary. I'm a salty kind of girl. So uh, like if you give me a bag of those, they're done. Now for a lot of people, it's probably some kind of sugary, sugary and fat, you know, um, snack or whatnot. Mine is cinnamon toast crunch oh yeah delicious if i'm I'm dieting i'm not buying it yeah exactly so going off of that i mean you've worked with a ton of clients on different goals and stuff what are some strategies that you've used for individuals who have trouble controlling themselves around sugary foods or really any foods for that matter Mm -hmm. yeah for sure well i think one of the big things that can help and it might seem a bit counterintuitive is letting clients know that they can have sugar because if you think about it um i saw on instagram somebody use this example like if i tell you don't think about the color purple like what's the first thing you're going to think about the color purple (laughs) so if i tell you you can't have sugar what's probably going to be one of the first things that you're going to think about is all the stuff that you can't have so i like to to help my clients with their relationship for with food and especially around sugar is not have it be something that's off limits. Let them, you know, because that, again, like I said, if you can't have it, you're probably gonna want it more. So I think that certainly helps. Um, There is certainly, like you said, some trigger foods, like there's just no way of getting around it. And some people like to argue that, so let's say I tell my clients to, or let's say we're talking about me and I have a coach that tells me, okay, like just don't buy cinnamon toast crunch that some people like to think like, ah, that's kind of like, you know, not good. Maybe that's like promoting disordered eating habits or something, but I don't think that's the case. I think that it's just kind of smart and something to do. Obviously if somebody's telling you like, don't buy all this stuff or, you know, stuff like that, you can get into that conversation. But yeah, I mean, if his client has a trigger food, that's very apparent, I'll just tell them don't buy it and see how that goes. Um, Otherwise, again, let them know that they can have it within moderation. And um, yeah, and sometimes if, if somebody's really having a hard time and they're really having their cravings are going through the roof, uh, if it's somebody that's doing a fat loss diet, maybe I'll schedule in like a two day refeed or a week long diet break so that they can have that, you know, psychological break from dieting and be able to, you know, enjoy the foods that they haven't had for a while. And I've found that it's been pretty successful with helping people get back on track. You know, they do two, three weeks of a deficit, hit it hard, grind it out, then they have that week of a break. So that's another strategy that I've found that's um, worked pretty good. Yeah, definitely makes sense. I mean, the hardest part of making a change is finding that tipping point where it's not too drastic, where you're going to like fall off, but being able to sustain it and 
I think going through those ebbs and flows can definitely be helpful. And even with food too, I mean, the whole concept of like a cheat day, like gets tricky because sometimes it's a Saturday and people are like, oh, cheat day. And you'd be amazed. You can house like 6,000 calories in a cheat day, especially if you throw alcohol in the mix, but maybe allow yourself to have, you know, like one meal or um, buy that one snack that you really like and have it on a certain night of the week or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I mean, in terms of the holidays coming up, like they're, you know, the typical culture at Christmas time is you go to grandma's and you got the whole table full of Christmas cookies. And that's really awesome. Now, like, what would you tell somebody who's worried about approaching the holiday season with like all of this sugary temptation around them? Yeah. So firstly, to add to your point, yeah. And that's why So it kind of grinds my gears when somebody like tries to look at food simply as just, you know, calories, macros, it's only food, like only fuel. No, like think about all the traditions and the cultural traditions that are based around food and drink, like, especially as a coach, that's something that you have to recognize. And, you know, if you tell a client like, oh, just don't eat during that Christmas party or something like that or whatever somebody's celebrating probably not going to go over too fantastic but um yeah so what was the question again sorry I was talking myself out of it yeah no it's okay so just like with navigating that situation like if you're somebody who has this concept in your head that sugar's bad which this conversation hopefully is teaching you that maybe it's not the enemy but you're going to grandma's and grandma made the cookies and you're like oh I just feel like I shouldn't eat them like what is the approach that a person a person should take during those special occasions when they're approached with that decision yeah i mean it's all it obviously can be individually dependent and dependent on an individual's goals i'm always of the um approach hey grandma made the cookies like eat the freaking cookies Mm -hmm. um but be mindful like have two or three don't have like a whole dozen and feel terrible about yourself after Um, But yeah, I mean, there's absolutely no reason why you can't allow yourself to enjoy something like that. Um, And for my clients, like I tell them, like, as soon as December hits, and usually sometimes we even have this conversation um, around Thanksgiving, but as soon as December hits, like if you know you have these specific events that are happening where there's probably going to be, you know, a ton of food, ton of stuff like that. Uh, let me know because honestly, it's almost not even worth it trying to have people diet through those days because it just adds a lot of unnecessary stress to an already stressful uh, period of the year. So I'll either, yeah, give somebody um, a diet break or a refeed. Now, if anybody listening doesn't know what they are, that's basically just going back up to maintenance calories. So let's say um, somebody can maintain their weight on about 2000 calories and they're dieting on 500 less calories at 1500 calories. Well, for a couple of days, just go back up to 2000 and there's nothing to feel bad about because you're at maintenance. You're just going to maintain. Um, and then once, you know, those events are over, you can just hop back on the deficit and be on your merry way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, moral of the story here is Rome wasn't built in a day and a diet doesn't get ruined in a day or two days or three days either, you know? Um, And yeah, I mean, being able to still participate in those traditions and make the people around you happy. I really like that point that you said, because, you know, we can't just like get up on our high horse and be like, oh, we got to eat healthy all the time and we're so fit. And at the end of the day, yeah, like food and drinks are something that's are very cultural and bring people together. And 
let's let them have their space, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, just back to kind of like making decisions around food too. I like how earlier you brought up how much a person can learn from tracking their food. Um, and that's something that I'm planning to dive into more on future episodes and stuff. Cause um, I mean, for me, I've been tracking food like on and off for the last few years. And it's to the point now where like that ultimate goal is you've learned enough about food where you can fill a plate and have a pretty general idea of like what is making up the food that you're eating. Um, So when it comes to sugar too, like I know a lot of people who are choosing, let's say like a protein bar, they make decisions on a protein bar based upon the sugar, Mm -hmm. which maybe not a bad thing to focus on, but the most important thing in, when considering a protein bar is how much freaking protein is like actually in the protein yeah. bar, right? And making sure that it's something that you can eat and that tastes decent. And, you know, I find that a lot of people go after these no sugar or one gram of sugar choices, but they hate them. And then that's yeah. not going to be sustainable. So when it comes to, let's say a protein bar, like if it has eight grams of added sugar, but you enjoy it and you're going to get your 20 grams of protein in the bar, like eat the protein bar, you know? Yeah. So actually, so I'm not a huge protein bar guy, but there is one protein bar, um, Matarex crisp, crispy apple pie. So if um, Matarex is listening, please send the check. Yeah, they're, they're um, good. <laughs> yeah. But that one actually has like maybe like 25 to 30 grams of added sugar, but it also has like it's got 30, like 30 grams of protein. Yeah. Yeah. It's got like 30 grams of protein. And so, yeah. So my mindset for myself, so I've tracked calories and macros for a long time. And now for over a year, I've just been intuitively eating, which is something that I can do because I did do that tracking for such a long time. Mm-hmm. But when I'm, when it comes to me making food choices, I actually don't even consider the sugar. I look at how much protein I'm getting for how much overall calories that I'm getting. So for example, for that matter X bar, I look at, okay, um, 30 grams of protein and it's like 400 calories. Now I recognize that that's a little bit higher calorie than most protein bars, but it tastes better. So I am going to, you know, take that trade off for that bar. And, um, that's kind of how I approach most all of my eating because I know at the end of the day, I'm making choices that are given. It's kind of like that 80, 20 rule that people talk about, mm-hmm. like, try and get about 80% of your food choices from like whole foods, healthy foods and 20% from, you know, whatever you want. So I know that I'm doing about that throughout my day, just from just while I'm intuitively eating. So when it comes to stuff like that, I don't even really have to worry about the added sugar because I know like I'm getting my nutrients, I'm getting my fiber from that 80% that I'm getting throughout the day, I'm just going to look at, you know, what is this going to give me in terms of protein and overall calories? Makes yeah. things a lot more simple in my eyes. Totally. And that's something too, that I think a lot of people don't fully understand when you are looking to lose weight or build muscle or whatever it is, protein needs to be the priority. It needs to be a keystone of your focus. And if having some added sugar in your diet or having some sugar along with that protein makes sure that you consume that protein, then that's a win. I mean, one thing I'm thinking of is, you know, every like go-to diet, like day one, we're back on the diet starts with like chicken breast and like boring rice and vegetables. Right. So maybe if you're on a diet and you're having chicken breast, you spruce it up with like a little bit of barbecue sauce or like something sweet and sugary. But 
again, it drives me crazy that people focus on the 80 to 100 calories from the sauce and not the fact that you're getting like 30 grams of protein. Like that's, you know, what to consider. So, um, no, that's really great. Now, just one more kind of point here for individuals who are looking to lose weight and need to be in a deficit. Sugar can become a barrier because like you said, it can be very calorically dense and not very satiating. So artificial sweeteners are a known, you know, alternative for a low or no calorie way to satisfy the sweet craving, but again, kind of a polarizing topic. So would you say that artificial sweeteners are a good tool for people to use when dieting, or is it something to be afraid of? I personally think that they are a great tool to be used to help people adhere to a diet. Now, most people I know and most people I've talked to feel similarly like myself with artificial sweeteners in that they, you know, they help them feel satiated. They help them with cravings, stuff like that. I can understand that maybe there's a few people that think that, um, you know, that actually increases their hunger, increases drive for um, eating more. But I feel like the vast majority of people, artificial sweeteners can be a great tool to help. Um, but yeah, that's, that topic might even be more controversial than uh, sugar in and of itself. Yeah, I think so too. And it could be a whole nother episode and, you know, something that I've learned a lot about. Um, and again, everybody kind of responds differently to different foods. Some people say that artificial sweeteners just don't like sit well with them. It bothers their yeah. stomach. So, you know, if that's the case, then no problem. But um you know, for a lot of people, yeah, like instead of having the Coke that they've been having with lunch every day, switching to a diet soda, that could save you 200 calories, 250 calories, you know? Yeah, and yeah. My buddy, my buddy Peter Baker says like, uh, same great taste, none of the calories. Yeah, I mean, it's true. And like, there's so many different drinks out there. Like one drink that I'm um, big into now is Propel, mostly because my boyfriend drinks it and has it around all the time. But I'm like, this stuff's actually pretty good. And I don't need to worry about, you know, tracking it and logging it. And so I definitely think they can be helpful too. And again, like people who harp on that and see you drinking a diet Coke and are like diet soda, are you serious? It's going to cause cancer. Like, again, you're focusing on such a small piece of the puzzle that at the end of the day, like there are way bigger things to focus on way bigger fish to fry. Um, And yeah, I mean, I've even seen like a lot of people that make um baked goods that are on diets you can like substitute sugar with stevia and still make delicious muffins and saves you a bunch of calories so for anybody listening who maybe doesn't want to have a whole lot of sugar and is thinking about an artificial sweetener um probably not something that they need to avoid either yeah i think um like you mentioned the people saying like oh it causes cancer or oh, it can mess with your gut microbiome, stuff like that. Um, Much of that research is done in rodents, which doesn't necessarily transfer over to humans. And most of it is done with such absolutely absurd absurd amounts of, you know, dosing of an artificial sweetener that it's just not applicable to us. If you're, I like to say, if you're drinking enough uh, diet soda to where you can run into those health potential problems, then you've probably got more issues versus more issues that are more pertinent to address versus, um, you know, that, because you would honestly, you'd need like 30 a day for like years. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, thank you. No, so much good information. Now, just a few more questions for you. I have to ask, what was it like working for the man, Lane Norton? I know he's still a good friend of yours, but I'm a big yeah, fan. Yeah. Lane, and I, Lane and I were actually hanging out last night. Um, he really is a great dude. Um, he sometimes gets a bad rap on social media, but he's one of the most caring and he's one of the few friends who I have like sounds kind of sad but <laughs> he does like he'll text me just out of the blue saying hey how are you man um stuff like that checking in so it was great I learned so much from Lane he really is a super smart dude um and yeah it was just uh it was awesome and I've been thankful that now that I've you know gone out gone on my own with coaching um him and I have been able to maintain our personal relationship but yeah he's a he's a good dude and he's done a lot to uh help a ton of people in this industry. So I can't, uh, I can't speak highly enough about him. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I mean, I'm a big fan of, of his work and his content. And like you said, he's a one of a kind guy. He gets a bad rep sometimes with the way he maybe communicates. Um, but I really respect his mission to debunk a lot of these myths and make nutrition more simple than a lot of people make it. Um, but just thinking of Lane, I mean, off the top of your head, are there for people who are looking to learn more about nutrition in general and some of these topics that we've spoken about um do you have any other resources or people that you suggest following who you feel like put out you know pretty good information on these topics yeah for sure um obviously lane is one uh his wife holly puts out great content too holly t baxter i think is her handle um another one of my buddies joey munoz uh he has a phd in nutritional sciences he puts out great content um there's, you know, so many that I could name uh, for training. I'm a big fan of um, Dr. Mike Isretel, Branch, yep. Brad Bonfeld, their research. Um, but yeah, so I think there's a ton of people. But if you uh, if you start following some of those people, they'll lead you on to more and more people. And um, yeah, you'll definitely get a lot of good information. Yeah, thank you. Now, one final question that all of my guests receive from me. Um, my podcast is centered around the pursuit of high achievement and becoming a better version of yourself. So tell me, what's a personal goal that you have right now and how are you working towards it? A personal goal that I have right now. So I've been pretty focused on my strength um, in terms of in the gym. So one of my goals this year is to squat 500 pounds. All right. Um, so yeah, programming. And uh, being consistent, keep showing up, even on the bad days, is uh, one of the biggest things for me, not trying to get into my own head. So uh, hopefully we can tackle that goal this year. Awesome. Yeah, best of luck to you. Are you programming for yourself or do you use a coach? Yeah, so I just um, do my own programming. I like to keep it super simple. Mm -hmm. I train five days a week. Um, I squat twice a week. And uh, yeah, I try not to, uh, you know, overanalyze it too much but um, yeah no definitely I mean that's a another whole thing in fitness right you don't need to be doing the crazy stuff the basics work so stick to yeah. them um but yeah any any final thoughts on the topic of sugar from anything we talked about today yeah no again kind of what I started off as sugar it's not a demon it's not going to kill you it's uh nothing that needs to be overly you know avoided again a big thing to focus on is you know your total energy balance if you are at energy balance so kind of like a maintenance calories type thing or if you are you know in a deficit there's no real research to support that sugar is going to result in any negative health you know decrements or anything like that so again nothing that you need to be overly concerned about 
don't go drink 10 sugary beverages a day, but uh, keep it, keep it in moderation. You'll be all set. Awesome. Yeah. And eat grandma's Christmas cookies. Um, Now just one more question that's coming to mind with that Um, in terms of finding your maintenance calories, I know that the most effective way really to get down to all of this stuff is working with somebody. Um, Mm -hmm. But what's like a tip. I know so many people who, as soon as the year turns 2022 are going to hit their diet and drop their calories super low. So do you have any advice just for somebody starting a diet on like how to know where to start? Yeah. So I think um, one thing that's super easy for everybody to do is instead of starting off with like cutting your calories a ton and overhauling your lifestyle, um, just track what you normally eat. Get used to tracking first. Don't even get, don't even try and hit a specific target. Spend one to two weeks just tracking what you normally eat, um, kind of average out what those calories look like for you. And, you know, maybe drop three, four, 500 calories off of those targets, off of that calorie amount that you had and uh, start there and just monitor what happens to your weight. Take a weekly average for your weight. And um, yeah, again, just monitor it, make adjustments from there. Yeah. So tracking too complicated. Exactly. And tracking ultimately you think is the best tool for somebody to get into if they're serious about this stuff. I think so. I think it certainly takes a lot of guesswork out of the process. Now that often gets straw manned into people thinking like, oh, you say like you need to track or you're not going to make progress. No, there's other tools you can use. You can shorten your feeding window, do some intermittent fasting. Um, You can, you know, make smarter food choices, less calorie dense foods. But I think in terms of taking the guesswork out of it, uh, tracking is a good tool to have and a good skill to have you know, if you want to use it in the future for something. Yeah, definitely. I think you just get so much bang for your buck out of tracking. It's hard in the beginning. It sucks getting used to. You're like, where do I even find the food label on the cereal box? Like, right, right. But once you learn it, it's an investment and then you can start intuitive eating down the road. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And you mentioned weight, weighing yourself. Um, I know a lot of people who don't like to weigh themselves at all or are like, I just want to weigh myself once a week because if I weigh myself every day, I'm going to get upset. But I think that is kind of backwards. What do you recommend in terms of like um, taking weight measurements to monitor progress? Yeah. So there are literally thousands of things that can affect your weight and have you weighing in different on any given day. Uh, For females, if you're close to your cycle or have your period, there can be a very large, you know, five pounds upwards, even, um, weight fluctuations or even just like if you drank more water before bed the next day so that's why i think it's much more logical to weigh yourself every day and take a weekly average and look at that number each week versus i mean yeah you could weigh in like um you could actually your average weight could actually be trending down but you could have a high weigh in one week and think that you gained three pounds that week when in reality you're actually losing weight so yeah, I think that's important. I think um, if you're really serious about it, taking progress photos, because again, what's actually happening might not be showing on the scale, but maybe you can see it in some progress photos. So I think those are a couple of definitely good tools uh, to just have data to you know be able to validate what you're doing is working. Yeah, definitely good to hear. I mean, the more data, the better. And like you mentioned with weight, it fluctuates so much more than people realize. For myself personally, when I was tracking on carbon for a while, I was weighing myself daily and just kind of as an experiment, I would weigh myself at night just to see the difference. 
And I would fluctuate like nine pounds in a day, just from Um, like you mentioned, water weight and being a female. And if you have to go to the bathroom, like so many factors. So for people who are afraid to weigh themselves every day, understand that you're probably going to feel better weighing yourself every day and seeing that Mm -hmm. weekly average. Because if you weigh yourself on Monday and you're drinking on the weekends and go getting looser on your diet, like you're going to see worse numbers on those Monday mornings anyway. So, um, Wow. Well, so many great tips, Noah. Thank you so much for chatting. And where can listeners find you and find out more info about you? Yeah. So I'm mostly active on my Instagram at Noah David Lee. Um, Like I said, I do coaching. If anybody's interested in coaching, you can reach me at uh, noahleecoaching.com or noahleecoaching at gmail.com. And yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoyed the chat. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. I hope this conversation leaves you with a better understanding of how sugar can fit into your diet and how to better manage it to suit your goals. If you enjoyed this episode, shoot Noah or I a message on Instagram so we can thank you personally for the support. Thank you for tuning in and we will be back next week with another episode.